And as far as we can tell, we're live. No blaring music, no silly videos, mainly because we've been still getting glitching in the browser, so we're going to behave ourselves for this week and get you some new fancy-ass graphics and stuff from next week onwards. I'm Jack Chew. This is Chewing It Over, if you haven't joined us before. And then this is a daily, on weekdays at least, daily show in which we talk about whatever is topical in the world of MSK education, sometimes healthcare on at large, and especially current affairs when they touch our industry. Uh, today, I'm really excited to have Karen Lay with me. She's the chair of Physio First, which is the CSP's professional network for private practice. Me and Karen have never had a conversation that's less than 90 minutes duration, so I'm particularly excited to see how the hell we managed to get this into 30 minutes. Massive amount in, in common with regards to, I don't know, I'd even go as far as to say style of comms sometimes. You know, we both like to get the cards on the table and, and hash things out and both got a pa massive passion for raising standards in MSK and our organisations, particularly with me as director of MSKR and her as chair of Physio First. We seem to really be well aligned on some of this stuff. They have an interesting scheme called Quality Assured Practitioner as well as Quality Assured clinic and practice and, and therefore I wanted to really understand that and, and share with you guys a little bit about it as well as talking about some of the contentions that surround it and the contentions that surround even the suggestion that we need to raise standards in MSK and be more consistent and what the sequel is of that on a governance level so I'm delighted she can join me as long as the tech allows as ever please let me know if you can hear me okay and, and please do participate in the chat function especially when it comes to something like this a massive amount of our audience has been asking us to cover stuff like this so please do get involved in the chat bring your questions sooner the better uh, not leave them till last minute i know me and karen are well willing to to get stuck into those and would love your thoughts and questions as well as well as the fact that that can then breed further conversations in this direction on this show and beyond so please do get get stuck in so hopefully a click of a couple of buttons let's get rid of my little frame there and hopefully karen can join me karen can you hear me Yes, I can, Jack. Hello. Fantastic. Welcome. Now, do you agree with what I said before about how we've never had a less than 90-minute conversation? <laughs> yes, absolutely, I do. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think we met for lunch and it went on for about three hours. <laughs> we met for lunch and finished for dinner, didn't we? Like That was that's what happened. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. That's more me. I'm, I'm, I'm a waffler. But equally, we just seem to, we seem to really love getting stuck into this stuff because it really seems to matter to us on many mm. different levels. So what I want to ask you first is, what is... The physio first quality assured practitioner and quality assured uh, clinic and what, what does how does that inform the conversation about msk standards in private practice yep absolutely so um quality assured practitioner and quality assured clinic well first of all let's start with um when it was initiated in 2005 we started the data for impact project so that's uh, members of physio first inputting data and it was born out of a desire from the physio first exec and the ppef which is a charitable foundation private physiotherapy education foundation to determine how they could help members um demonstrate quality outcomes with their patients because there wasn't any way of doing that at that time so it was started as a collaboration with the university of brighton um professor ann moore who you might recognize the name was instrumental in validating the tool and it was refined over time to what we have today and basically it's an online portal so you get a unique code number once you've signed up for it um, as a physio first member and you input electronically to the university of brighton so it's mm -hmm. independently analyzed and independently validated physio first doesn't know who's uh, inputting data and doesn't know anything about the analysis that the that the university do so that gives it a lot of um, strength 
We now have over 75,000 uh, data sets, discharge data sets um, within the tool. And it's um, it, been invested in by countless hours from our volunteers team and lots of cash to, to fund it with the university. And we now have a fantastic team at the university and there are partners uh, in this. So what happened with the data sets as they started to grow was that in 2017, we, with the university, um, designed this scheme called Quality Assured Practitioner. Right. And what that means is it's a standardized data collection tool uh, incorporating various outcome measures. For example, it has a pain scale in there and it has a functional, physical and subjective score in there. And for it, it was designed for MSK because we know that the vast majority of PhysioFirst members are MSK um, uh, orientated, but it does have application in other areas. And I'll talk about that a bit more uh, in a second. So um, what happens is there are 23 questions in the tool. So you log on on your online portal. The 23 questions cover things, standard things like demographics, diagnosis, work status, and so on. Treatment modalities can be put in and you can change up to four different treatment modalities. You can also determine whether another physiotherapist has had significant input into that treatment or whether it's just been you, you know, one patient, one physio all the time. And also um, significantly since the start of lockdown, we've added a button so that we can actually determine how many sessions have been done remotely as opposed to face to face. So that will produce some interesting data, mm. hopefully by the end of this year. So each practitioner needs to input a minimum of 50 data sets. And if they do that, they get assessed for quality assured practitioner. And what that means is the university, which was launched in 2017, um, the university does three downloads a year, January, May and um, September. And practitioners are assessed on five preset markers, which are the number of treatments that the patients had, the waiting time from referral to onset of treatment, the difference in FPS scores, which is functional, physical and subjective score, the outcome of the referral and goal achievement. So those are the five. Now, out of those five markers, if the if the practitioner uh, achieves the baseline or above on three out of the five metrics, they'll get the award, which is quality assured practitioner. And that lasts for a year and they're reassessed after a year. So it is monitored by the university completely independently. And Physio First, when patients, um, sorry, when practitioners get their notification from the university, they have to sort of out themselves to Physio First because we don't know who they are until they tell us. <laughs> and, then, and then they can start using the QAP kite mark um, and you know, market themselves accordingly. And then what we did um, in 2018 was we recognized that a lot of physio practices have part-time associates working with them. And so, and some of the insurers like Bupa, although the scheme was set up for, you know, independent practitioners, not for the, the uh, needs of the insurer market, but some insurers like Bupa, obviously who are current at the moment, only contract with clinics. So what we looked at was if people have independent um, associates working for them, but only part time, we have done with the again with the university uh, independently validated as long as each 
MSK practitioner is inputting data on a pro rata basis. So if you're working, you know, four hours a week, you do a percentage of your four hours in terms of your how that is worked out for your 50 data sets. As long as all MSK practitioners are inputting data, then they can be assessed under the quality assured clinic scheme. Right. Yeah. And that's the, that's the thing that I think sometimes people struggle with that differential is that essentially it's the, the clinic uh, badge and moniker comes from the fact that the individual practitioners then meet standards. And when that is done on appropriate pro rata basis for the staff base, then that's where that badge can come from. Yeah. My question, and it's interesting because great minds think I like Helen Preston. Thanks for, for joining us. She's put a question in there that was my first one, um, really, which is that because it's 50 data sets, if it's 50 of 250, you end up with this cherry picking that can occur with regards to the actual practitioner. Are we just having to put that down to trust on individual level and clinic level? Or have we got other ways in which we can validate that? Yeah, it's a very good question, Jack. We are putting it down to trust uh, up to a point. However, we are talking to, at the moment, um, members input manually uh, onto their system through a portal. But we are talking talking to practice management uh, companies and we're due to have the first demo in the next week or two. And once we get it embedded within the system, um, it will collect all data. So the university will have oversight of all patient data and they will then be able to pick up whether it's 50 out of 52 or 50 out of, you know, 552. So there will be that monitoring uh, there. Okay, well, that's a step in, it's certainly a step in the right direction then if you knew that there was uh, quite obvious cherry picking going on. I suppose patient entry is the holy grail. It becomes quite complex, doesn't it, though, in a tech level to make sure that we then have an appropriately safe and validated measure in which we can get the patients to input the data independent of the clinician or the clinic yeah um, i wouldn't say that we're aware that cherry picking is going on but obviously you know patient demographic through individual practices is very different um and this is also something that we're looking at for for example it was set up for, with msk in mind mm. however we're just um going through the process we're tweaking the tool this year and going through the process of replacing fps which is not a validated measure with PSFS, because we recognize that, you know, there are there are lots of, we know there are lots of members out there and lots of practices out there treating in the community, long-term neuro, chronic pain, and so on, PEDS, who with a wider tool like that, they could still um, do their goals achievement and so on. So we're doing some tweaking to make it applicable to wider areas than just MSK. Okay. Um, but within MSK, um, I think there's a nervousness about um, patients that might be your, you know, maintenance patients and how that um, might skew, not skew the figures, but um, it, it, some patients with a chronic condition or some that you see more frequently and so on. Um, maybe aren't being inputted now obviously ideally the university and we would like all data to be inputted and that's what will happen when we get to the electronic system over this next um growth period on, on on a physio level that's one of the things that's an interesting gray area because the hcpc standards actually insist upon there being a, an episode of care of which has obvious sort of goals and markers of which then there is a there is a continuation within documentation of discharge planning and therefore, when there aren't exactly hard and fast episodes that could occur, whereby someone might be on someone's books for conditioning-related products, massage-related products across the clinic, not even a specific practitioner, then those intervals aren't as crisp as, as episodes of care within, say, the NHS or, under, or, or a particular, say, ankle sprain or episodic 
back problem. Sometimes there could be ongoing care. And I think that that's one of the things that people, not necessarily just because of a, a QAP type conversation, but just more generally speaking, when you then have that automation of here's an X amount of contacts and this is how many of those contacts have been documented for proms, et cetera, that gap might be in some cases evidence of say cherry picking and then in other cases it's evidence that there's a there's a, a chunk of, of patients that's not appropriate for that mm. measure and i suppose teasing that apart's going to be challenging one thing i want to ask karen is one of the things i'm most often asked about this is can we lay out why bother right this is the thing that people think oh enough of an admin burden already why mm. should i bother is there enough of a is there enough of a carrot? Are the sticks that are involved in this as well that might be coming down the line? What would you say to that? Yeah, again, very good question. Everybody's busy. We, you know, we know things are challenging, very challenging at the moment, and have been so in the last year. Um, but healthcare is moving in the same way as all other sectors of society, in that we purchase on. Um, you know, on metrics. And if you just look at Amazon, for example, we all read the reviews before we decide which product to buy out of the 10 that fit our purposes. Healthcare is no different. Um, and so it is moving towards not payment by results, but it's going to become increasingly important to demonstrate quality outcomes. And that's why um, we set the scheme up in the first place because we know private practices that practitioners are good and get good results and we want to demonstrate that and really you have to pay tribute to the physio first members who put themselves out there to be measured in the first place because we could have started this scheme and and we did in fact we did have this conversation well what if we measure everybody and actually the results aren't great and it shows that we're not being effective and we had a big executive discussion and said well we'll have to be honest and put that out there if that is the case mm. now the data has thrown up some some challenging things that perhaps uh, show different things to what nhs data may show i mean the back pain one springs to mind we, you know we now have infographics that we can give to quality assured practitioners that they can confidently say about the data because the data is representative of the whole of the uk because we have sufficient spread um in that you know our data shows that the sooner you see a practitioner with back pain the the, the quicker your symptoms will resolve whereas at one stage part of the um CSP's guidance was, you know, if you're still having symptoms after six weeks, then see a physio. So, sure. you know, there are differences showing up. Well, I was I was part of the working group that produced the back pain miss resources of which then challenged that. And so it's worth us getting into that, because I think that one of the things that I think sometimes is concept creep and the messaging is that essentially you're de describing evaluation data that's not got a control group against it. Mm. And so that's one of the things that then sometimes it can be uh, cooking the books a little bit to infer that. So I can understand why that data shows that, but it's not got a comparison analysis. You don't know the counter narrative, right? So we don't we don't know if that individual, if then given some parameters of the same care, so they're actually administratively checked in on, et cetera, but they don't necessarily have the interventions that were delivered, whether that person's trajectory would have been altered. And so I think that sometimes that's a bit of a, a of a jump and why when invited to as a work, working group, we didn't find that to be particularly persuasive. And so I don't mm. know if you feel that you you want to push back on that, but I do, obviously, it's a while back now, isn't it? A few years, mm. but uh, I, was, I was involved in that. And I think that to some extent, there was a bit of, uh, it was a bit of a leap to infer what you were inferring there. 
Um, well, all the things that we've put out in infographics are all checked by the university. So once you click on the infographic, you can go behind the statement and see the statistical analysis that was done. So they're all backed up by the evidence in that way. Sure. No, I guess that. I'm just meaning you're not necessarily got a two-arm trial in which you can make a comparison no. analysis. But no, it's just no, a, we haven't. And, and also, you know, whilst I've, I've got um, enough institutional respect, especially for University of Brighton and others and, and Moore's legacy on, on that regard. But mm. unfortunately, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't doff my cap enough to say that uh, universities can't also be um, sort of not, not necessarily purposefully corrupted, but I just mean that that's all, it's a part analysis is what I'm getting at. And so yeah. I'm just meaning that yeah. whilst it, it could well be that that is what is shown, I think mm. that that's something that kind of comes in its own narrow context. And I know from, we see acute backs plenty in, in this very clinic. Um, and so I'm not someone that therefore turns them away for six weeks, but it's more no, that, no. It's more that the, the public messaging with regards to the, the uh, balancing this risk of scaremongering over um, feeling any, any twinge. And, the, and also the context in which, let's just say on macro, MSK physios and other therapists within that, might have such a varied quality standard because we've not got things like this or schemes like this uh, as pervasive as we'd like them to be, then you've got this such, such a range that I would sooner someone didn't see someone for six weeks than see someone unscrupulous or under quality mm. within that six-week window, which is why I think that that risk-benefit analysis gets made with regards to the messaging, which yeah. maybe there's a yeah. pragmatic middle ground on it, but yeah. that's why we get, kind of came to that issue. Yeah. I mean, I think the other thing that's important to say about the schemes is that, you know, they are running successfully, um, but they're not set in stone, you know, as evidenced by what I said before, we are we are tweaking the tool, um, you know, this in this year to add in a PSFS patients. Pa I always get them the wrong I way around. I always do that. Yeah. Patient specific it's functional scale. scale. That's <laughs> Because we know that that's a wider tool that will be of benefit to to people working in the community and so on, um, and it, it it and it also coincides with the BUPA renegotiating, which is going on at the moment. In that, the DF, signing up for DFI will fulfil all of the metrics that BUPA are requiring for their recontracting. Okay, so it wouldn't, so be an ad, a, it wouldn't add the admin. It's no added admin right. burden. It covers okay. them all completely, or it will do by the time the, they're required, which is next May, I think. Mm. Plus, uh, well, it's not part of the tool, but plus the DBS check, which is another thing that BUPA require Physio First can do that as well. And we have a bulletin going out today to, to detail all that. Brilliant. Now, remind me if I don't come back to it as to why I feel that this overlaps well and, and links in with, with MSKR stuff. But I've just got a message here from David Zellick. Sorry if I've mispronounced your name there, but he said, is this only for members or pay members of Physio First? It is only for paying members of Physio First at the moment, yes. And that's a very good question. And the reason it is, is because... Um, in order to get going with a scheme like this, you have to have people who are willing to put themselves out there to be measured. So that was our Physio First membership and also the funds required to do it because um, due to the funding that we had from the Private Physiotherapy Education Foundation, really it, the scheme to date has cost a million pounds up to really? now. Mm. Wow. So the contract with the University of Brighton runs, you know, at... Um, 80 to 90,000 a year. So it's not cheap. Somebody has to fund it. Mm, so there's been a lot of investment put in. Because that answers the question. I suppose you've it, it, it's, it's just asked why. And I think you've managed to ask why, answer why is that that comes with 
with a, an expense that is mm. then incurred by someone. In this case, it would be physiotherapy. First, as an organisation funded by its members, and therefore it needs to be protected for its members. Um, in terms of, um, that's something that brings me on to another question I had and continue to get about Physio First from those that sometimes know the governance and sometimes know the history, but other times don't, as to we kind of know around the pandemic that it was often different, difficult because people didn't understand about what they, what their MS, uh, sorry, what their CSP membership got them and what their physio oh. first membership got them. And, and, and that differential wasn't always clear in people's minds. Uh, wh where are we up to with regards to some of that in, in regards to physio first access or access for business owners, independent of their CSP membership? Um, well, it's a lot clearer than it was because we've just finished a big piece of work uh, jointly with the CSP on governance and so on, which is all actually up on the CSP website now. Right. Um, I, and it's uh, sort of joint badged with Physio First. So we have determined, which is clarity that, to be fair, we've been asking for for a long time. So it actually does detail what your CSP subscription gets you and what your Physio First membership, should you choose to join Physio First, gets you in addition. Mm. Um, because I don't think that that has been clear. Mm. Um, it, it sometimes takes for, takes for something like the pandemic to happen yeah. to sort of then, because it's like anything sort of um, it, we, we, not complacency as much as just not need a lack of need. Sometimes means that you're not necessarily in touch with that, or yeah. you knew about it, you you thought you knew about it, and then it only takes a few years. I mean, I know that they were they were sigs, weren't they, for a while? You know, the MSCP, yes. and so even the terminology sometimes can confuse. Changes. And so I'm glad yeah. any any clarity is going to going to be helpful. Uh, but they are independent organisations. Yes, they are independent organisations. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, we, we, yeah. We are. We are. Physio First is the recognised professional network representing physios in private practice for the CSP. That's mm. that's sort of the. the, the you need to be a Do you need to be a chartered? You need to be a chartered physiotherapist to join Physio First, and you you need to be um to be a member of Physio First. You need to be a chartered physiotherapist. You know, working in practice, so not, for example, running a practice that's investor led. It has to be in uh, individual therapists or working as a self-employed associate um, of a physio first member got you right i didn't know that last bit so that's interesting now um i said i'd uh, I'd, I'd come back to, to the fact that mskr have got a couple of things that, that are relevant to this published in our manifesto for reform in which we're pushing and floating policy um and essentially the the measurement of and taking of proms and trying to universalize that across, and this is across sectors, I suppose this obviously MSKR speaks to MSK across the board, including private practice, but not exclusive to it. And PSFS uh, are using that as proms and trying to universalize that is, is, is one of the key um, things that the, our evidence working group uh, under Emma Salt is working on. Um, and I think as well, the, the other thing that sort of springs to mind is the way in which using that and getting that data and trying to create an environment in which that becomes the norm not as a means of sort of spying on each other and and and, and, compa and comparing and contrasting services and individuals but ex exemplifying the fact that we can make a difference to these patients outcomes and demonstrate effectiveness regardless of specific intervention of which trial data can inform but this is kind of a macro audit the way in which that can then help us to exert influence so obviously we've got ash james and his group working on how we can try and get pu appropriate public messaging and demonstrate 
demonstrate effectiveness, not just through clinical trials, but also through appropriate audit and evaluation. So, I mean, I could, I could keep going across our different working groups, but particularly this work speaks to those two things is if we can measure it, we can then start to have, help that to exert our influence and help to get pennies to drop amongst patients and for society mm. at large to value these sorts of things. Now, that's one of the key things that you guys are hoping for, I imagine, isn't it? Whereby if patients start to value it, then the clinics and the practitioners are likely to then have that as being a marketing effect that would inspire yeah. them to then want to have that as a badge of honour. Yes, absolutely. That's our next step. We're, we're working with different patient groups um, through Armour and other societies. We're trying to make it important to patients. Mm. And absolutely. That is, um, is, there any, is there any plans for that external validation that could help to um, stop it getting skewed? Because I think that's one of the things that makes it challenging to be used as research data is that, you know, you, you, if, if we manage to crack that nut of getting patient entry uh, rather than therapist entry is there any plans in that direction yeah well as part of the tool um the there is also a patient reported outcome measure which um, and we're it's not within the tool it sits separate to the tool but the brighton uh, bm bm prom brighton musculoskeletal uh, patient reported outcome measure um sits there as well so that is for the patient to put their assessment on uh, on first treatment of where they where they are within you know it's an eight question tool about how their condition or their issue that's brought them to physiotherapy is affecting them sleep wise pain wise function wise and so on they fill that in at the beginning and they also fill it in at the end now the university is um, doing a good job in matching that data to what the physiotherapist inputs so it again it's an independent validation and actually how it works in practice what I do is I have the BM prom loaded on my iPad I give the patient that to fill in it's little radio buttons they do that while I'm you know inputting their demographic data then they come in we have a little discussion about where they've put themselves on fps at the moment that will be psfs when we get there you know do they think they're a seven or an eight is their main issue sleep lack of sleep or pain or lack of function in certain things we decide what the metrics are um and input that and then they do the bm prom at the end so again on the ipad they press send i don't see what they put in now the university collates that data because the patient's given a unique code so they can then match that data to what i as a practitioner have put in right okay no, so it sense. is an independent validation sure yeah that's a two separate two separate points of entry then for therapist yeah. and for and for patient okay yeah. um in terms of um, this is my last call to those that are tuning in live i know most of you then get this on your commutes etc or on an audio podcast but for those that are tuning in live last call for questions and comments particularly around my next question to, to and final question probably to, to karen and uh, i want to ask you as an audience as well you know adjacent to or alongside this what do you think are sort of key variables for us to raise standards in msk practice across the board and, and certainly how private practice sits within that well i mean obviously i think the tool is a fantastic place to start because it, it's it's saying to your patients look 
I am working in an evidence-based way. I'm working in a patient-centered way. And here's my data to demonstrate that. So from that, uh, um, you know, a, a lot of um, other things flow. I mean, we're doing some work with the CSP on, you know, encouraging private practitioners to take students on student placement and trying to look at how being a qualified, um, sorry, being a QAP or a QAC, quality assured clinic, if you're taking students, for example, will we can use elements of that to feed into the um, the roadmap for advanced practice, the portfolio route. So I'm very involved in that because what I want to look at is, you know, there are elements of leadership in there. If you're doing your own clinical audit with your looking at your associates and the data that they're putting in, you can use it for CPD purposes. You can use it for marketing purposes. You can look at how your associates are, you know, are there any gaps in their provision? It's one person's outcomes a lot better than another. And why might that be? So you can use it for the leadership and management pillar. You can use it for the education pillar if you take students. Um, you're doing your own audits. So there's a research element there. So we're looking at which bits we can actually um, guide members to um, use for their portfolio so that we're looking at guiding them towards advanced practice in that way. And that's mm. a big standard raiser. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and certainly yeah, anything that can help to integrate because with, with Health Education England, it's like the low hanging fruit and understandably they, they can't help but go for NHS services and, yeah. and advanced practice provisions, first contact, that sort of stuff. Yeah. But they have been clear from the off that they're trying to aspire to be compatible within private practice and independent practice. And so yeah. that is that is really good. And we've got to try and meet them there and, and sort of help and them to, to merge yeah. that, which I know you guys are doing. Yeah, and I had some good conversations yesterday, actually, with a couple of our members about the supervision element and how difficult that is to access at the moment because it's all very NHS-centric. So, you know, those are all things that we're working on in the background. Okay, yeah, I can understand that. Um, a final thing from me on on some, because obviously the, the, with MSKR hat on, it's um, non-physios, never mind non-chartered physios. It's something that's a bit more broad. Uh, but we've got um, some work coming out I think probably the first part of it will be out very soon, which is essentially a self-audit tool. Uh, you could only, there's no external validation, so you could only kid yourself, but essentially we've got mm -hmm. a sheet in which you can then manage and monitor your own. A lot of people do this independently, but we're just trying to get you uh, to use your problems and outcome data and start to then track that per body part or, or various different conditions of which you might see. So that's going to be out soon. But then also aspiring to a project in, in June, there's a few different um, places that we're trying to draw on for this, but trying to find a way in which across the board, across the piece in MSK, how can we collaborate to create something of which is this this entry tool that can help to demonstrate outcomes um, independent of the clinician or the practice. It's just something that then can be get a, a large data set of, of prom capture um, that's, that's then um, something that's independent of, of profession entry. And so we want to just try and see how effective is MSK rehabilitation, regardless of practitioner, uh, into that to try and get a, get that news because something that irritatingly we, we don't yet know. You know, we were always oh. guessing and we kind of know oh. from plenty of uh, clusters of anecdotes and we get some narrow trial data. But generally speaking, that, that data set doesn't exist. So we're all trying to aspire for that. So we will have some news from MSKR on that in June. But in the interim, you'll be getting that self-audit tool uh, for those that aren't uh, physio first members. For, for those that are, um, tell them, Karen, as to how they can how they can access uh, physio first, either either join or, or get stuck into the QAP if they're already members. 
Yeah, you can find out about QAP and QAC. There's an e-booklet that is downloadable on our website. Um, just go to the Physio First website and you'll find, click on the menu button there, you'll find the, that booklet. That tells you about how the scheme operates. It's, there's no additional cost. Once you're a Physio First member, you get access to all of the scheme. You get an individual report, as I said, downloaded um, through, uh, in the year which helps you to benchmark your practice against the national average because you get all the national figures as well so you it's a good audit tool uh, as well brilliant well thank you very much and thanks for joining us today i really appreciate your time karen as ever and we did manage to do it in 30 minutes although i'm sure we could go on for another several days yes. um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just going to announce that tomorrow we have tay from active force um, sorry from active body who have the active force two unit that we're a distributor for we've got an exclusive offer with them for 300 pounds and we're going to be talking about why measurement in practice can really help with patient compliance as well as then also just stopping yourself guessing when you're sort of doing manual muscle testing or range of movement testing we've got a digital dynamometer and goniometer for 300 quid which is about a third to a quarter of the price of its rivals and i'll be demonstrating and demoing that on tomorrow's show with tay who's joining me at like i think it's 4 30 in san francisco so you're gonna to have to be nice to him on tomorrow's show so please do behave yourselves with him and please join us because that's going to be fascinating he's had an incredible career uh, in technology and health tech particularly until building now and we've we've managed to get him to lean into msk and work with him on this brilliant product of which we're getting shut off for 300 quid if there's a while stocks last right we've got about 13 more units that we can guarantee for march delivery so they're flying off the shelf so please join us tomorrow uh, for that with tape but in the meantime for me and karen thank you so much for your time and we'll speak to you soon. Thanks, Chuck.